Welcome to Trade Avant Garde Podcast. This is show number 31. It's great to have you join us. My name's John Warren and my good mate Ashley Rouse with us again today. Welcome, Ash. Morning, JW. Adelaide, uh, I know you've had some warm weather. Is it still warm? Yeah, we were warm yesterday and uh, th- bumped it up today just in case we missed it yesterday. It's uh, 39, so we're uh, nice and toasty out there for everyone, all the traders. 39, yeah, okay. Uh, Sydney weather is actually it's a bit sunny today, which is nice. So hopefully we get a bit of relief. Well, I mean we need the rain, there's no dramas, but a bit of relief. Um, uh, ready for that big networking session coming up later in the week, so that'll all be good. Uh, good news overnight, or certainly yesterday, I think it was that Melbourne obviously are releasing that uh, that circuit breaker lockdown. So uh, whatever that uh, was planned to do seemed to have worked, which is good news for them. Oh, massive news. Massive news from all. And uh, crowds back at the uh, tennis, so that's exciting. So it looks like he's released pretty quickly to get back to some form of normality anyway. So hopefully that's the last time they and anyone needs to do that. Yeah, well, there's a bit of movement too around uh, the way they do quarantining too. So there's a bit of, I suppose it's all political at this stage, but finding better ways to quarantine and uh, maybe stop some of those leakages from people returning back from overseas, but anyway, see how that goes. Hey Ash, we might get straight into it uh, for today's show, and um, today we have uh, Joe Daggerford. Joe is the director and founder of Foreshore Projects. Welcome, Joe. Thank you very much. Now, Joe, you're up in uh, Queensland. How was your experience during COVID? I mean, you had that very hard border, or your Premier put that very hard border for a long time. What was what was your experience? Yeah, look, I think as far as um, states, and territories in Australia go, we were pretty fortunate. We we escaped most of it. There was only one, I think, three-day, four-day period or something where we had to wear masks at all. And there was, you know, some stuff at the start where you couldn't go, you know, everywhere you wanted to go. And some <laughs> certainly some extra uh, precautions had to be put into place. But um, we, we had nothing, we really have nothing to complain about compared to compared to the southern states. What was the feeling in Queensland? I mean, I'm in New South Wales, so we found a little bit strange that there was a need to, to stop people crossing the border. What about on your side of the border? What was the thoughts well, on it, that? It, I think really it was, uh, because we had so few cases, it was really about, well, just, you know, if we can keep it, <laughs> if it stays down there and there isn't too much cross-contamination, then then it's it's kind of like a, a good thing for our work area. But I live in the southeast, so crossing the border just... You know, um, comes part and parcel with the with the whole thing. I, I, but there were times I couldn't drive up to the Sunshine Coast to see my daughter, for instance, is you know, 100 100 k's away, and that whole staying within five kilometres of your um, of your house, you know, was was a bit challenging. Given you know, us in the trade are usually used to getting out and about all over the place. But there's, there's certainly a um, you know a level of fortune uh, given being in construction and that it was deemed a, an essential service. And so crossing the border with a with a pass and, you know, having your temperature checked and everything like that really just meant that it was just like a, an extra administrative hurdle to jump through and sort of not, not really much more than that. Yeah, no, fair enough. Hey, look, you, you started your business in a really interesting time. Can you share with our listeners uh, how you got to here with the uh, Foreshore Projects? So that's and that's a very interesting story, and I'll I'll cut it down to be like short and interesting. But basically, I've 
had been at that time in the construction industry for 23 years, starting as an apprentice, building all timber Queensland style homes up on the Sunshine Coast starting in 95, and then went straight into the commercial industry working for Wattpack for um, eight years, and then space frame doing industrial for 12 years, and um, in the middle built a lab building for Cochrane. And what I, I was, you know, I take providing for my family very seriously. And so it was, it was certainly one of those things where I was the, the core stable provider for the family. And so didn't really take the idea of, of um, you know, risking all that uh, to be very attractive. So, but, but what ended up happening is my, my wife fell for someone at her work. And so I subsequently in trying to fight that for um, 18 months, two years, um, started falling apart. So, you know, I've got all this experience. I was, you know, right at the top of the food chain in the, in the particular company, you know, running $180 million worth of work and had five site managers under me and, you know, just really like I had to perform and, and I started to, to drop the ball. I held it for a few months. And then after that, it was just like, you know, I started falling apart. The, uh, but at the same time, that company suffered a massive loss in turnover. And so they came to me with the option, basically said, look, you know, you can have your old site manager's job back or, you know, that's, that's it. And I said, well, I've been, been a site manager for 18 years. I don't, I don't really, I don't think that's, that's the option I'm going to choose. So I was, I was lucky enough to, to get a redundancy. And basically from that, it was just a big, you know, flying middle finger to the universe, just going, well, everything's sort of fallen apart at once. So I'd lost, you know, a, a very loving relationship as well as a very um, long and healthy career where I'd never been let go from anywhere. I'd always chosen to leave and felt very secure in, in any employment position. But I'd also just recently got my open builder's license myself, and I was just doing that for my own personal development. But, but then it was like, right, well, here I am. What, what am I going to do with it? And it isn't the first time I've had to, to do this in my life. I've sort of had a, a very abusive beginning to, to life and, and you just develop these coping mechanisms that really kicked into gear there and I just went for it. So, you know, just in, in one weekend, you know, came up with a name, went to freelancer, got myself a, a logo, selected that, jumped on, grabbed myself an ABN, locked in some social media pages and you know, some domain names and, and off I went. So it was, it was like this massive culmination of, of a few things. And there was just a huge transitional, you know, period in the middle where it's, it would be nice if these things were spread out over a little while, but unfortunately it, it all came at once. So, you know, I was just, it was, it was almost like the survival mode just kicked in and, and I just thought, well, I can't do nothing. And now I don't have an income. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I certainly didn't want to, do the same thing that I'd been doing, you know, for the last 23 years at that point, just with another person with a different shirt and a different logo. Yeah, I took it as an opportunity and jumped on it. So, Joe, had you uh, had you always wanted to run your own business? I mean, I know you said circumstances led you to uh, four short projects from the redundancy and the likes, but mm. um, had you always had an inkling within yourself that at one one stage or one day, when it, when yeah. probably more you were ready for it, that you would always yeah. jump into your own business? Yes, I, I, I believe so, yes. And and I think that, you know, it's easy to try and rush that, but it's 
it's another thing when it sort of comes to you. But yeah, definitely, I I think there was it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of guts to sort of go, you know, I'm going to toss it out there, especially when you know you, you know, if you come from poor beginnings and you're used to, you know, you know what poverty's like, and it's one of those things that giving away a very stable routine, even monthly income, is uh, is a tough thing to do. That old stepping out of the of the comfort zone, especially when your comfort zone is so substantial. So, you know, I think even the more successful you are in, in any given career, like the more you have to hand up. Like if you, you know, if you're giving up, you know, 60 grand a year, for instance, it's probably like, oh yeah, well, I could probably better this pretty easily. But when, you, <laughs> when you're right up there, it's like, wow, this company has to really pump in the first year or, or I'm stuffed. Yeah, once you're used to a, uh, a certain amount of money <clears throat> coming in weekly, fortnightly, whatever it might be, in your pay packet, mm-hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden that day you took the redundancy, and sure, you've got a you know, mm-hmm. lot of money in your hand, but uh, the next week all of a sudden that pay packet stopped coming in and uh, it does it does shock you into thinking, what do I do now? So, hey, mate, what about foreshore projects? So we hear how it started and, and you know, thrown into it. What, mm-hmm. uh, what are the challenges you face in the first two years of, of getting that up and running and, and making it successful? It's it's really like starting again. So if you think of entering the trade and you do an apprenticeship, starting the business was almost like first day on the job. And, you know, I successfully handed over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of projects. <laughs> but it's like the day that I had my own company, everyone treated me as a beginner and they really took a step back and it was... Um, you know, one of those things of, well, let's just see how how Joe goes, you know. And <laughs> I think that, that was a little bit a little bit difficult to cope with, given that I've, again, always been accustomed to being, you know, highly respected. And, and it's not like that respect left, but it just, it just made everyone take a step back. But certainly in those first two years, <laughs> the most difficult part was, was evening out the money. So, you know, they say cash is king. Well, I can see I actually rented a house to a young block layer who started went out on his own and he obviously had a few good jobs and some decent money came rolling in and next thing you know he's buying a three thousand dollar dog and a trampoline and a thin ground <laughs> pool above ground pool for the backyard of the rental and it's and a new car and I was like wow well you know hopefully he can pay his rent and literally within three months he was being chased by the banks couldn't pay me rent I had to you know boot him out and really that's the you know, one of those things, you just, money comes in and it just, but it's like play money. Your whole attitude to money has to change. You know, now there's like hundreds of thousands coming in and hundreds of thousands going out. And of course, when it's in and your bank looks, you know, plump, you're just like, oh, wow, I could buy a Land Cruiser for cash, you know? And it's like, but but you can't because that goes all the way back down again. And so, so I, just, I can see that as being being a trap and I'm a very modest uh, person and I think that that sort of saved me in that in that way and that uh, it's very cautious and so you just you just got to hang on to that so so budgeting and and you know keeping things slim even at times where it seems like there's an abundance is um, is is really important Joe look thanks for sharing particularly some of that early stuff you've obviously overcome uh, quite a bit of adversity and personal challenges and it sounds like developed uh, the resilience to sort of uh, sort of break through that. So congratulations on that. 
uh, and then starting your own business um, and, and taking the opportunity and, and some of those challenges you've mentioned. I understand that uh, at the start you said you had sort of zero understanding of balance sheets, the tax law, company structure and the like. Can you mm. tell us uh, a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a builder and I always took it that, uh, you know, all that money side only got involved sort of right towards the end of those 23 years of experience in, you know, chasing quotes and putting them together and adding margin and submitting it to clients and things, which really was something I'd, I just had zero interest in. I, I love to build stuff and I get in there with a whole team of people and just smash it in. And, uh, you know, I'd get taken from a high rise tower when it got to, you know, the defects or fiddly little stages by Wattpack and just smashed into the next one so we could belt that one up. It was like a, <coughs> I'd say to people, I'd, I'd build stuff. So then when you when you come to this business thing and it's like, okay, well, at the start when there's just me, I am everyone. I am the administrator, I'm the estimator. I was, you know, um, quoting, had to learn zero, quick smart, you know, quoting, then I'm the, the accounts payable. Um, you, you just, you're the whole lot. And as far as setting up, you know, cost tracking thing, I, I, just, I just didn't know, I, I knew that in my head, okay, well, that's how much that job cost. That's how much I had on it. So, so I know there's some money there. And sort of in the back of my mind, when there's five or six jobs running, it's easy to keep a keep an eye on things. And really, for that first first year and a half, all I was doing was making enough to pay myself and my internet and my insurances. That was that was it. There was no sort of spare sitting in there. So you're really just keeping in, in front of it. I was anyway. But what? Uh, you know, I, I took that to be as well, okay, if I'm going to be successful in this, I need to engage some experts in these fields to help me with the things that I'm not good at. It's the essence of building a team. And thankfully, in you know, in all my years of management, you're constantly building teams. Teams are constantly falling apart at the end of a project. You know, there's always a building, a maintenance, and then a, and then a destabilisation towards the end of any project. And so there's, you know, a birth and and death of, of, of every kind of team. So I suppose <laughs> what I did was um, I had uh, a really good bookkeeper. Uh, she set me up with, you know, zero and, you know, automatic, uh, I suppose, you know, accounting type software and things, and then pointed me towards a good accountant. And that accountant set me up as a PTY LTD, got me sorted for GST, all that kind of thing. And really that was, that was seamless. And so for 1400 bucks, I managed to get set up the right way and that was with with that accountant and I, I just couldn't can't stress that you know enough that it is so critical to get that bit done and even bass like i i still don't know how to do a bath but the bookkeeper she reminds me she does it she sends me through the things in you know a sign app to sign off on and i read through those and so then once i read it i understand it happy days yep that's correct sign off on it but that team that was that had strengths like there's experts out there you got to use them there's the number of people i hear that get caught by a bass or they didn't put it in in time or they didn't save enough of their tax or they you know it's just it, it's rife and that'll just pull the whole thing apart so you could be an awesome tradesman have you know a great um customer base all, all those things could be together but if you don't have the money side and that money maintenance and, and accounting side sorted it's it's all it's all for nothing all apart like i'm you know month two so yeah that's that's sort of how 
how I took it. It's um, and it was you know, as I said, <laughs> I can't stress that highly enough. It's so that's, important uh, to have that in place. Music to our ears, Joe, because that's uh, our philosophy in Innovative Traders Club. Mate, is mm. all about do what you do best, and mm. then let those who do well do it for you. Um, mm. On the other part, so yeah, we have so mm. many tradies. They're really good with the, you know, it might be a hammer or a pair of pliers or, a, or, mm. or bolt cards or whatever in their hand. Mm. Um, and like you said, you know, you used to tell people you just build stuff. Mm. And if you do that really well, mm. which obviously you do for, especially uh, with your own business, but obviously you passed, um, you don't have to be the best businessman going around or you don't have mm. to be an accountant or you don't have to be a bookkeeper. Mm. Um, you don't even have to be a social media expert because... There's, there's industries out there now for all of that. And like you said, you know, finding yeah. an accountant and finding a bookkeeper um, mm. to do it for you. And it's interesting if, uh, you know, we quite often talk to people and talk to them about, you know, if a, if a bookkeeper charges you $100 an hour, for example, and it takes yep. them a couple of hours every quarter to do your, your bass, yep. you would make that back tenfold if you stayed on the tools and, and, and put up another yep. wall or... or um, Sign another tender. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's really exciting, mate, and that's, uh, yeah. that's the message we try to put out as well. Yeah. So thank you like for It just that. could it's take hard. me eight hours, and that's a whole day, you know, and a yes. whole day could yield, you know, I don't know, it could be $3,000, could be $200, yeah. but either way, that entire day and stressing out that you've done it right and, you know, yep. waking up at night wondering if, oh, did I do that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll look at it tomorrow. Like, it just, it really does just bring this baseline of comfort um, and, and let you just, do, you know, chase your stuff and deliver it. Chase and deliver. There's enough to do in the stuff you know how to do. Oh, um, yeah. Enough stress with that, mate, let alone worry about the stuff you don't know how to do. So, oh, hey, mate, um, what about, you know, we talked about COVID earlier. How, yeah. how did that uh, impact foreshore projects in the last sort of 12, 18 months? Um, it was certainly a worrying time. And there's been a few, I guess, times where I thought I was going to have to resort to labour hire supervision to try and prop the company up. I, I never had a doubt in the back of my head that I was going to give up, but I, I lost about half a million dollars worth of turnover in the last quarter of the 19-20 uh, financial year. And it was basically just, I had all these jobs quoted, they were promised to me, yep, no, you're doing it, we're just sorting out the last bits and pieces, and then, oh no, pulled, pulled, pulled. <laughs> We're putting that back, you know, jobs like 250,000. There was a couple of 20 grand ones. They just, everyone just stopped spending because they were like, oh my goodness, what's this going to do to us? Stop spending, stop spending. And uh, there was, I think I billed out $3,500 worth of work in the last quarter in that whole three months. Um, it was, so it was, it was very worrying. But then at the same time, what, what happened was uh, the industrial distribution sector realized it was the big winner in COVID because everyone's shopping online now more than ever that that um you know acceleration trajectory just went off the chart and so as soon as the financial year turned over the work just started pumping in i've got, I've got like five orders within the first two days and everything was back on so it went from being you know dire straits to well thankfully i I licked my wounds and I took the dog for plenty of walks during that last quarter because it's game on, people. <laughs> you know, I didn't do all those push-ups for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joe, in uh, Trading Trady Oven Garb, we're always looking for sort of those tips and tricks. And I think you've already shared some really, uh, really interesting ones. 
you went from obviously working for a big organisation that was fully supported and you just did what you did and did it really well. But when you started uh, Foreshore Projects, um, you become everyone. I think your, your mm. words were, I am everyone now. Mm. So I suppose that's interesting, isn't it, for, for traders out there thinking of maybe starting their own business to, to understand that uh, on day one is exactly true, that you are everyone, but mm. you quickly learnt to engage experts in, in other fields to help you. And mm. I think you shared that story, the benefit with a bookkeeper, uh, obviously, mm cleaned up your books and then found you a good accountant and then literally set you up the right way. So I think that's fantastic. But sort of moving on from that, in your experience, what are some of the other tips and tricks for tradies that might be thinking of starting their own tradie business? What um, what would you tell them? So to, to begin with, I think, uh, you know, the whole idea of working for yourself and oh, I can choose my hours and I can, you know, there, there's like an element of being the boss and there's, there's almost a an air of romance about it that's sort of painted around the place. And it's like, oh, you know, the boss always makes way more money than I do. I'm going to go out and make all that money for myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to get it all the time as, as, you know, the manager of these massive jobs and people saying, oh, yeah, I could do what you, know, what you do. I just, it's just like, you know what, you, you mate, take my keys. <laughs> you can have my shirt too. We're about the same size. I'll see you next week. As far as tips and tricks go, it's really important to just to be humble. And I, I can't, again, stress this part enough, is that when you do become everything, you, you are the toilet cleaner, you're the jackhammerer, you're the person on the vacuum cleaner, you're the one who's, you know, is in there on the night shift, and you've also pro possibly got, you know, your, um, your family responsibilities to, to handle as well. But in those, <laughs> in those early stages when you can't afford to pay for some of the support that you might need or later be able to afford to make things common sense or, or work efficiently um, to begin with, it just feels clumsy and it feels like, you know, it's, it's not working. You know, I was, I was up running night shifts from, you know, 9pm to 3am sleeping in the car park before the handover at six and then taking the rubbish to the tip and then coming back and at the same time, you know, moving out of a house and having cold showers because the power wasn't on. It was just everything felt messy and a bit wrong and all the balls were up in the air and that's that's you know an analogy that that really makes you know hits home there's, there just seem to be things up in the air everywhere so as far as as tips go is just taking that a, a different mindset towards you know success and the, and what your job actually is so what you thought it was um you, you can just sort of toss that out to the side and you know, especially if you've been in some sort of senior position, there's no one to tell, to, to boss around, or there's no one to say, you need to do this, or can you do this for me, mate? You, you're it. So <laughs> I think in the beginning, just cutting all of that out and just going, rightio, well, nothing is below me. And, you know, you, you could get a job that was, uh, one of my jobs was screwing up a hose reel on the side of a building for 250 bucks. That was my invoice number two. And I just, you know, people say, what, what will you do? You know, what, what won't you do? And I just said, nothing. There is nothing I won't do. So hit me with it. And it really was that, you know, if you think you're going into a specialist field and, you know, it's all good and well to have that, you know, people say to specialise and everything. But to begin with, you really can't afford that. So I, I just threw the broadcast out there and said, you know, maybe as an electrician, it would be, yes, I do, you know, PowerPoint installation as well as, you know, house connections and mains upgrades and things. What, as long as it's within your, you know, skill set to do, you don't want to go outside that and, you know, stuff something up. But 
but really kind of stripping all that back there and going, you know what, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at ground zero here and I really need to basically take whatever I can get and you just throw that throw that out. You know, any, any idea you had before about, about being the boss. And so I think that, that sort of leads into not giving up and it's, you know, there, there's just so much or so many times in that beginning bit where you're just sitting there and you, you know, for me anyway, it just feels quite, quite lonely and just, you know, knowing that you've done what you can do in that given working day. And then at the end, stopping, turning the computer off, closing the door on the office and going, I'm going to try again tomorrow. So that, um, that's a, you know, just a, an extremely important line to take. You know, the, the pressure can be enormous. And so it's, you know, but, but it's, you're still only human. And so I think a little bit of self-forgiveness, a little bit of humility and, uh, and just, you know, not stopping the next day, get up, no matter what happened the day before, pick your bag back up again and keep walking. Joe, that's such an important uh, tip. And I think uh, the overarching theme there is about not giving up, being mm. persistent and, uh, and getting the job done. And I'm sure there would have been times when you had, maybe challenging yourself do you keep going do you go back and, and work for someone mm. else and, uh, mm. and you've come through the other side can you share some examples with us about the success uh, you and the team have had over the last couple of years yep well that um that has really happened recently like i said in this financial year just started when everyone so my you know my my turnover in the previous financial year was you know just over five hundred thousand, and then this year uh, because I did lay all the foundations and I did, you know, continue to keep up with the contacts and I did do the little crappy jobs that no one wanted to do and, you know, it basically didn't say no. The work just started flowing in. So from, you know, the 1st of July, uh, so so far uh, it's, it's looking like this year is going to be 3 million. So I've gone from, you know, 600 grand to over 3 million in in the course of one turnover year and you know I'd, I'd, I'm not saying that's going to happen to everyone but it's just been like my my mode of operandum has always been you know the, the foreshore attitude and you know that I came up with the with the company name because I've got four kids and then the next thing was I, I like the ocean so foreshore that works and then the next thing is you know can you do it for me or can you help me with it for sure I can so just just having that that attitude and delivering and treating every single job like it was the last one I was ever going to do and the first one I was ever awarded. Really, it, it just meant I did that consistently for, you know, just shy of two years. And then after that, it was just like, right, well, this bloke, he walks the talk. Because, you know, you can have this beautiful logo at the bottom. You know, there's some out there that are, we are the relationship builders and we are, you know, but mine is honesty and integrity from start to finish. And everyone looks at it and says, oh, that's lovely. Joe's really nice. You know, who'd you pay to come up with that for you? It was, but but in, in the end, when you do something consistently, then people are like, yep, yeah, okay. Well, you know, then clients are on side. And, and when you have clients on your side because they know that you make their, their life easy and you know that you deliver cleanly and you don't bug the tenants and you don't go in there and, you know, yell and carry on and charge them extras because someone left something in your way, that's it. You've, you've instantly become... Uh, in the top 5% of delivering companies. And that is your aim, is to deliver cleanly and be consistent. And those two things, they're worth money. That is worth money in the bank. You know, the people are happy to, you know, 
to, to pay for it. Hey, Joe, I like the uh, the story about obviously four kids uh, and family's obviously been very important to you. You've mentioned that mm. all the way through. And I suppose we do what we do ultimately for our family and to, to look mm. after our family. So <laughs> it resonates with me and, and I do like mm. the story behind that. Hey, um, time's got away really quickly, but there's one other mm. question I would like to ask you because I was reading one of your blogs uh, about a month ago, mm. must have been. And you said you also said that you're a client lover and a subby lover. Can you tell mm -hmm. us how that come about? Yep. Well, basically, in large scale commercial, it seems funny that the you know the sales department schmoozes the client, and as soon as a job gets handed over to the delivery team, they fight the client for every variation they can, and it seems like there's this there are two sides, and everyone picks a side, and there's secrets between them, and it's you know, but but my approach to it has been, I'm going to be transparent and upfront with the client. Of course, I'm a client lover. I'm in sales as well as in delivery. And if I don't show that care to the client and treat them like a customer, that, that customer service thing that happens in the restaurant when you go and get your burger or your steak has to flow through. You're creating a customer experience. And if you can you know, deliver that, even at the expense of, of a couple of hundred bucks or you do something a little bit extra and you tell them about it, that kind of thing just it goes such a long way. You're still dealing with humans. So they might be a massive corporate entity and you might be a small company or maybe eventually you're both big massive corporate entities, who knows, but that you're still dealing with humans. And I think that, that human interaction and that human relationship thing, um, showing respect and showing that you genuinely care about the things that they care about is, is, is extremely important. Then the next thing being the subby lover is Again, builders, so you know, I'm talking large companies, when you engage subcontractors, again, there seems to be this you know, to and fro fight thing with them where it's like, oh, I'm gonna slug you for something if you don't clean up, I'm gonna back charge you, and then the subby's doing, oh, how can we you know, slug him another 10 grand for something else? Well, you know, but, but everyone's getting screwed down for the last cent, and it's like, I, well, I can, that's one way of running it. But the subbies or the, the people out there actually doing the work are the grunt behind your operation. And if you don't close the loop on your operation from client all the way through the subcontractor around to the beginning, you are, or I am as a builder, the facilitator of that entire circle. I have to win the job. I have to show that it's important to me. I have to delegate it to people. I have to make sure that those people are on board as well and are still and see my vision for the outcome as well as the, the way to deliver it. Because, you know, it's all good and well running the race, but if you've stabbed everyone in the back on the way there, well, you know, not, not many people are cheering for you. So so I think it's it really is a, it's a global um, holistic view to the whole operation and bringing everyone on side as a member of the team means that I'm one company, I currently employ one other person, I just put a second one on, but my team is hundreds and hundreds of people large. They can all be your team if you treat it right and treat them right. You know, it's like white labeling, you know, you just, they, they all become, they all become part of your team. If you, Joe, 
know? That's a look. That's a great way to sort of close out the show. We really appreciate <laughs> that, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. At the end of the day, it's uh, we're in business because we have clients, we have customers, and and of <laughs> course, to your point, the subbies. I mean, they're extension of your business, and, and really <laughs> represent for sure projects the same way as that you would. So, <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing a lot of the tips and tricks today. I think that's that's great. Literally, that, I suppose that point uh, about starting again. You become everyone when you do start that business. Engage with experts and uh, Innovative Traders Club is exactly about that. So pretty much, if you could have summarised Innovative Traders Club, your experience is exactly what we're trying to, to help other traders to, to be able to, to do exactly what you've Absolutely. done as you've learned, as you've gone along. So if, if traders are looking to fast track that experience and set it up the right way from the start, Innovative Traders Club will be able to connect with the people and uh, and the stories and the messages to, to be able to do that and uh, and get that Absolutely. great result. And I think be humble. I think that's uh, that's something that Ash struggles with, but I, I think it's, it's <laughs> being humble. <laughs> you, you, you obviously don't have that problem, mate. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, I'm coaching Ash, so we're getting. Ash, Ash did you want a final word on that, or you're you're a bit gobsmacked, are you? Or? Hey, mate, I've got to, no, no, no. You know, I cop it all the time, Joe. So it's fine. <laughs> hey, uh, JW, the three things I took away was. Do what you do best and let others help you for what they know best. Don't be too proud to do anything. So like Joe said about hanging a, a hose reel on a, on a building for 250 bucks, And don't give up. Believe in yourself and believe in the direction you're heading. So I think it was, yeah, they're the three things I took away from it as well. Excellent. On that note, cheers, Joe. Thank you for your time. Ash, well done to you. That's it. Show number 31 is done now. So whether in the ute, the van, the side shed, the office, or maybe sending out that final reminder, we thank you for sharing your time with us today at Trade Avant Garde. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and speak with you soon.